Hey, Downtown Church, and welcome to another installment of the 7-Minute Sunday School. This week, we're looking at Exodus 3 and part of Exodus 4. When we last left the book of Exodus, we saw that Moses had been rescued by the brave, courageous acts of these women and had escaped out of Egypt into Midian, where he finds a wife. And also that while the action seems to have moved to Midian, chapter 2 ends by telling us that God has seen the Israelites in their suffering and oppression. He's heard them and he knows. He knows their suffering. Here in chapter 3, we come to this really famous scene where Moses is shepherding his father-in-law's flocks and he sees this bush that is inflamed with fire but is not consumed. And he turns aside to see it and it turns out that what's happening is that this is an appearance, this is a revelation of God himself who's called Moses to himself to have this conversation. And he tells Moses, take off your shoes for you're on holy ground. And then Moses has his first of many encounters with God in this book. This is also the place where Moses asks in chapter 3, what is the name that I will tell the people of Israel? What is your name, God? And God gives Moses his name, Yahweh, and explains that this means I am who I am, or maybe even better, I will be who I will be. Now, scholars talk at length about what this name might be, this name Yahweh, that's God's covenant name, his, his pet name that his people are to use for him. But part of what it seems to me to mean, as Leon Cass argues in his commentary, is that Moses is going to discover who this God is by watching what this God will do. So what do we see God doing right here in chapter 3 and 4? Well, first, this God, we see that he reiterates to Moses that he has heard and seen and paid attention to and is attending to his people's suffering. In fact, the text piles up verbs to describe God's attention to his people who are suffering oppression. I have seen them. I have heard them. I know. I recognize their uh, suffering. I am attending to them. The text piles up verbs to describe God's intimate awareness of his suffering people, and that it is this intimate awareness of his people's suffering that is driving him to action. So we see, first of all, that this God, who is he? He is a God who will attend to his people in all their suffering. He's also a God who will use his people to address that suffering. It's quite arresting that God tells Moses, I've heard their suffering of the suffering of my people in Egypt, so you bring them out. And Moses, who has tried to do some good in Egypt, you know, he tried to get involved when he saw one of his fellow Israelites being beaten by an Egyptian slave master, but that didn't end well at all. And so Moses, not unreasonably, says, how? How will I bring out these people? And we learn something else about this God in his response. I will be with you. I will go with you. And it's God's presence we see from the text that will enable Moses to be an instrument of God's deliverance. So this is a God who attends, who hears, who pays attention, who knows his people's suffering, and who will address it through other humans, equipped and empowered by his presence. God will be with them. What kind of God will this be? This is a God who will bring uh, vindication and even recompense 
for his enslaved, oppressed people. Exodus 3 tells us that when God brings the people out, they won't leave Egypt, this house of slavery, this land of their oppression. They won't leave empty-handed. God will give them uh, favor in the eyes of the Egyptians, and the Egyptians will will put give them gifts and, and lay them down with, with goods as they leave Egypt. This is incredible. It, it reminds us of the law in Deuteronomy 15 that says, about Israelites, if one Israelite becomes a debt slave to another, every seven years they have to be released. And when they are sent out, they'll be sent out liberally laden with gifts, with the fruits of their labor, in fact. And so the idea in Deuteronomy 15 seems to be that if slavery is first and foremost about denying a person the rights of their the, the produce of their own labor, that in Israel, when debt slaves are released, they're given the fruits of their own labor. And here, the Egyptians will give the Israelites the fruits of their labor that had previously been stolen from them through injustice. It's interesting here, this word that is the Egyptians, they will plunder the Egyptians, usually doesn't mean plunder. In fact, it usually means rescue or save or snatch someone out from danger. And so some scholars have actually suggested that what's happening here is that the Israelites will gain favor in the eyes of the Egyptians who will make good, who will repair the injustice that they had committed against the Egyptians by giving them generously of the fruits of these Israelite slaves' own labor. Now, that may not be true. I don't know for sure, but it sure strikes me as being the kind of thing that this God would be up to. This God who will tell us that what he's doing with the Israelites in Egypt is not only to rescue them, but to make his name known among the Egyptians. This God, who when he brings his people out, will bring with them a mixed multitude. People from other ethnic groups, people from other people groups within Egypt, who will join themselves to Israel and join Israel in their exodus out of Egypt. And certainly that mixed multitude may be included Egyptians. If so, it's not that surprising if this God would say he would give favor, he would give the Israelites favor in the eyes of the Egyptians so that they would make good, repairing the damage of slavery by laying, laying by giving uh, generously gifts from the Israelites' labor to them on their way out. But finally, what kind of God is this? This is a God who bears with the weaknesses of his people. Moses does not like any of this. He protests again and again in a very famous scene. You know, I'm slow of speech. They won't believe me. God gives him signs. God gives him promises. But at the end of the day, when Moses finally pushes God to the point where he gets angry, God gets angry and says, you know, I, I gave you your mouth. I'm calling you to this task. God gets angry at Moses for his resistance. And yet God says, I will send your relative Aaron to join you. So even when Moses is resistant to God, to the point of making God angry that Moses is resisting his will, God nevertheless accommodates Moses' fear by giving him a partner. This is an incredible God, a God who pays attention to his people's pain, who uses humans to bring justice and liberation by being present to them, a God who will make right and repair some of the damage of slavery by sending out the Israelites with gifts, and a God who accommodates the weaknesses of his people. This is an incredible God. So this week, read this passage, talk about it, and ask yourself, is this how I view God? How does this text shape my view of God? And what difference does that make for me in my life?